Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and it's a gorgeous day in the Pacific Northwest. It's been gorgeous in the afternoons here for about a week, but the heck if I would know it, I've been locked inside meetings, seems like, the entire week. <laughs> so I hope somebody's getting out there to enjoy it. Welcome to the Bose Nose Show as we come to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, and uh, I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, and this is a show where you get to control the conversation just by calling at 646-721-9887, and just press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. And in fact, I'm hoping I'm going to get a call today from one of the candidates that's running for the um, Emerald People's Utility District Board of Commissioners, which is one of our local electric utilities here, uh, public electric utilities, and we might get a chance to talk about things like rates and smart meters and other issues that, that apply there and kind of find out what um, who the guy is and, and why he wants to run for the board. So we'll see if he calls in. If not, we got a lot to talk about on the Bose Nose Show. And I think I'm going to start out this show we're going straight to what were they thinking you know that's that's our regular segment here on the bose nose show where we kind of just ask that question what were they thinking and i have to give the what were they thinking award to multiple people this week that's why i'm going straight to it because i just can't it just amazes me so around here you know they they ban field burning you know, because of, you know, all the smoke and they had the big wreck on I-5 that one time when a field burn kind of got away and the smoke got over I-5 and caused this chain reaction collision. Well, fast forward, you know, 15 years or so, maybe 20 years. And uh, now the only field burning that goes on is being done by conservation groups in the federal government. And it's part of a wetlands preservation or uh, oak savanna preparation preservation projects, which is a good thing, you know, that it's, it's a habitat that wouldn't naturally occur in the Willamette Valley if it weren't for fire. And of course, fire doesn't naturally occur in the Willamette Valley very often because it doesn't get a lot of lightning, but 
the Native Americans, uh, the indigenous people here, used to burn the Willamette Valley, and that's why there's there was a lot of wet prairie, as they call it, and oak savanna in the Willamette Valley, and that habitat's kind of gone away as we've stopped burning it, the whole entire valley. So some of the species associated with that habitat have become limited and some of them even endangered. So they try and preserve it by doing these controlled burns. Well, a lot of that land that's this um, wetland preservation land is under the ownership of the Bureau of Land Management of the U.S. Department of Interior and the federal government. Well, they have permits through the local air protection agency, LRAPA, Lane Regional Air Protection Agency, for those burns. And uh, that's kind of where things got a little sideways. LRAPA very intelligently put a have your fires out by four o'clock in their permit conditions, because everybody knows about this time of year after four o'clock or so, the winds start to die down, and then in the evening, we get inversions. Well, BLM last Friday decided to start a burn after four o'clock and then didn't really put it out. So sometime about midnight when the inversion rolls in, it smoked in Highway 126 west between Eugene and Benita to where there was a multiple car accident there, and they had to close the highway down. What were they thinking? What was BLM thinking at that time? They are just fortunate there was not a major injury or fatality involved in that accident because somebody would be up on some kind of negligent homicide or you know, uh, endangering people. I don't know what the charge would be, but it, it near criminal what they did. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it, yeah, we got rid of fuel burning because of stuff like that. And, and it's like this, you know, this environmental management technique using, um, you know, controlled burns is, you know, has, is for good reasons. But when you do it poorly and stupidly, you're going to make it also get banned. So it's just, you know, I don't know. So BLM gets my what were they thinking award for the day. So. Robin, I see we got somebody on the line there. That's not my EPUD candidate, is it? Uh, so far, it looks like they're just listening. Uh, can you call can if you, you want to talk? Uh, just push one, and I'll bring you online. Yep. Yep. Looks like they're pressing one. I'm sorry, right, caller. There, yeah. Welcome to the show, Jenny Bolchevich. Yeah. Hey, um, this has been. This is Bent Mickelson. Oh, hi, Bent. So, first of all, I just want, you know, it, it is Bent Mickelson, is that correct? Yes, it is. Great. Yep. I know there's a little I, bit I, of a time. I live in, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just want to, real quick, um, you know, you're running for the, the Emerald People's Facility District Board of Directors. And I want you real That's quick good. to give a brief bio why you're running. I can't hear it. Straight. I'm sorry. I, I'm having a, I'm traveling in the car and I'm uh, jostling my 
earpiece and the speakerphone. Now I'm on to earpiece here, so my apologies for. Could you ask the question again, Jay? Sure, sure. And actually, your sound is much better through the earpiece. I appreciate that. Oh, good. And I know some, how that Bluetooth gets messed up. Um, I was asking if you could give me a brief bio and why you're running for the uh, EPUD board. So uh, I'm, I've am i lived in the area of, or in Alvador for the last uh, 14 years. Uh, raised my children, my family up here. I've... Uh, I've been an EPUD customer for that for that time frame. Uh, this this last uh, winter, I came home from a trade show in Las Vegas where we do a large educational event as a as the publisher of a national trade magazine called Concrete Decor. And this uh, this educational event is is uh, designed to bring exhibitors from all facets of the concrete industry together and show the, the 60, 70,000 attendees at that event how uh, decorative and architectural concrete can work in, uh, in unison with building systems that are designed to, you know, to, to add strength, sustainability, energy efficiency to, uh, to the building envelope. And it, uh, so I came back from the show. I told my wife, Sherry, I said, you know, Sherry, I just am so sick of the word concrete right now. I've been at this for 20 years. And, uh, and right now I just feel like I need uh, something else in my life that uh, just kind of, kind of helps me to disengage for, you know, a few hours uh, each day or something like that. And uh, no sooner did I say that and a postcard came in the mail from EPUD, uh, Encouraging members uh, or customers to uh, to submit a letter for the position that had opened up uh, there as one of the board directors was stepping down from their position there for health purposes. I took the interview. I got the uh, the job there, and really felt as though I immediately had to take a real deep dive into the energy market to to fully understand. Uh, the business side of it, and that I did, um, and actually really enjoyed the process. Felt as though that with each passing day, as I learned more, I, I started to see a stronger and stronger connection uh, with the things that I know about construction processes, construction materials, and this thing of energy conservation, which at EPUD in particular and I know other utility companies are very similar in mindset, energy conservation is a mandate. Uh, it's something that, that they've, been, uh, they've been tasked with because it's the least risky and most cost-effective way for utility companies to address this growing need for electric energy. And that's where I feel as though uh, my qualifications as a business owner, as an employer uh, in Lane County uh, for, you know, for many, many years, uh, you know, can, can help to serve uh, the customers in my area and, uh, and, and throughout the customer base for EPUD. Yeah. 
So that kind of covers you know, who you are and, and why you're running. Can we talk a little bit about what you're running for? Because not everyone that listens to the Bo's Snow Show might know where the Emerald People's Utility District boundaries are, but approximately what little towns, you know, I'm an EPUD customer and I'm down here in Elmira, and you're an EPUD customer okay. in Alvador. What, what other areas are within the EPUD service district? Yeah, so uh, no tie. Um, stretches out a little bit on 126 there, going towards Florence and uh, Elmira, Vanita, um, uh, Alvador, and uh, and some of the areas to the south and and uh, east of of Alvador. Uh, you get over into off of Fur Butte um, Road and some of those areas. So it's. Uh, it's a, it's a really spread out area, you know. So the districts are, are, uh, you know, are, are a funky bunch of, of districts, but you know they they represent you know the uh, the services you know where EPUD has power poles and uh, lines you know running along the streets and underground and and so it's. Uh, it's it's those areas that uh, I find to be, a, you know, an interesting service area because you know PUDs were designed to 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 help that farmer out in Timbuktu, you know, get energy and uh, you know in, independent or investor-owned uh, utility companies were just not interested in putting you know several power poles in the line and miles of power line out to one farmer. Um, but PUDs made that possible, so it's uh, it's a it's a great uh, you know opportunity in my mind to to represent uh, a customer base that uh, is in some ways uh, reflects the very essence of why PUDs exist. Yeah, pretty pretty spread out, and when you think about no tie, that's a lot. Of- a lot of lime running out of there for, for not very many customers. Right. Yeah. Although a couple. And it's, couple you know, really and those, are, those are some of the, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jay. I'd say a couple really big customers are the mills out there, though. Uh, say that again. I'm sorry. That's a, a couple big customers with the two mills that are in no time. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I believe there was a, um, was it out in that area? Maybe it was down in uh, Corvallis that there was um, a fire that, um, or Cresswell, was it out there in no tie? I believe there was a fire at a mill out that way, but uh, um, I know there was Cresswell. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, important customers, and and certainly, you know, EPUD looks at its commercial customers. With as as much uh, enthusiasm and you know uh, eagerness to, to provide the, a level of support and customer service that uh, you know that that commercial customer can't find anywhere else. I think that's part of the responsibility that we have to our customers to be you know the the best service at the lowest possible price. So for for folks out there, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're an EPUB customer, EWEB customer, or a um, you know Lane Electric customer, there's been a lot of talk about 
uh, use of tier rates versus flat rates. Um, and and I know that's been a little bit of a controversy with the PPUD. Uh, what do you think about that? So you know, you know, tiered rates where you know use a little bit of energy, you buy your electricity at a lower rate. The more energy you use, the the more costly the electricity gets. Um, is that something you think is a good tool, or is that um, you know kind of punishing the large family, or is it, you know, what do you think of the use of tiered rates versus flat rates? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a, it's a uh, hot topic for sure, and I feel that uh, you know words such as punitive when you know people look at at tiered rates and by all by no means ever looked you know uh, towards rates in that manner that it wants to punish somebody for you know the amount of energy that they use that is. Uh, as far from the truth as, as one could, could possibly imagine. But, uh, you know, tiered rates, as I understood them, because uh, those were in place when I, when I took the position uh, as a director at EPUD. Uh, but the way I understood, you know, tiered rates was that these were, these were designed to kind of move the customer base towards energy efficiency, towards energy conservation. And, and the minute I, I understood that, uh, you know, I, I actually went home and and talked to my family, uh, you know, about this. And I said, you know, I think there's things. And I always talk about unplugging the kegerator in the garage because, you know, it sat out there and kept a keg of cold beer warm strictly for my friends, you know. And uh, and so I, I unplugged that thing and suddenly I'm, I'm saving 40 bucks a month, you know, on keeping a keg of beer cold in the garage. And it was just little things like that that started to add up for me. And suddenly I found myself not in tier three, but now in tier two. And I thought, well, that was an easy process for me. But it, and, it, and, I'm, and I feel as though I'm being rewarded for uh, the, the steps that I'm making towards energy conservation. So for me, it, it, uh, it, it looked a lot different. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot, you know, from... The, the, the customers that talk about tiered rates and the fact that they have a large family and, and they're low income and suddenly they're being uh, they're looking at a you know at a mortgage payment at uh, at, at a utility uh, bill and what they have to spend on food and and suddenly you know it's a it's a big question mark and you know how am I going to cover my expenses, my living expenses. And I think for those types of customers, uh, they, 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 have to, they have to reach out and ask questions. They have to, to talk to their utility company and say, you know, what can, we do, can I be doing here to, to, to cut my energy use and, and, and not make life miserable for myself because that, that's uh, certainly not the intent either. But we, we definitely have to look at, at the types of buildings that we reside in and the, and the ways we live our life. If we're, if we're just living life in a, in a rather gregarious and, and uh, an irresponsible way, I think that's, that there's, there's room for improvement. And I think everybody can make those types of changes in their lives. I mean, this is, an, 
the, our, our world is changing faster than we know it um, or would like to think that, that it is. Technology is, is moving at the speed of light these days. And, and with that, yeah. those technological changes, you know, electric vehicles are, are becoming uh, or will become, you know, a, uh, almost a mandate in many states around the country because we, state and federal government wants to cut down on CO2 emissions and, and combustion engines are, are a big leading contributor to that problem. So we're going to see this move, this migration towards uh, an electric, you know, a greater dependency on electrical services, and that has to be renewable, green energy service, you know, sources as well. Fortunately, in the Northwest, we have a lot of that, and and it and it should be understood that here in the Northwest, we have some of the best rates in the country, the best rates. We have such a predominance of hydroelectric power. Um, certainly, BPA has its challenges today, but it's it's really making strides today towards uh, technological improvements that are that are simply going to, um, you know, help that that um, power generation, you know, business to to do more effectively service utility companies in in the greater Northwest region, even California. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the, the, the changes in technology also, you know, are being showcased in the new uh, smart meters uh, that, that are being installed. And, and it's not just EPUD that's doing that, but a lot of utility companies that are installing smart meters because the utility company has a, an opportunity there to help its customer better, and and that means that when it can when it can look at uh, your service and say, Jay, you know, there are things we see uh, you, your size home, uh, you, your energy consumption from from. 11 to 4 o'clock each day is higher than the average. What are you doing at home during that time of the day? Because if you can change that habit, uh, you can move yourself into a lower price bracket. That's going to be the way that that, um, that utility companies charge for services in the future. It's, it's no longer going to be a flat rate or a tiered rate, but it's going to be a demand charge or time of use um, that, that um, people are charged for. So it really means that we all, you know, tiered rates are just a stepping stone in that process. And that's the way I kind of looked at it when the tiered rates came up and uh, and people were wanting to go back to a two-tiered rate, tiered rates. In fact, our finance and rates committee came back to us really undecided and very mixed on the, the subject of, of tiered rates. And a more recent finance and rates committee um, Fully supported the tiered rates, so it's it's been a, it's just taken time I think for customers to understand it. Um, you know we're going to we're stepping into the second winter with tiered rates now. It could be a brutally cold winter, and and I'll even be complaining about those damn tiered rates. But it's uh, but it's you know we we have these uh, these 
alternatives that are not necessarily that healthy for the utility company either. And I think that that is also something we have to concern ourselves with, is making sure that the utility company is operating uh, to the best of its ability. It's operating safely. Uh, it's providing its, its people with, uh, with safe equipment to operate. It's keeping, uh, you know, trees and all of those things at bay so that when storms hit, we don't have a bunch of uh, power outages because of these types of issues. Yeah. So, so we're talking... We're talking with Bent Mickelson here on the Bose Nose Show, and, and if you want to call in and ask Bent a question about EPUD or electrical utilities, you can give us a call here at the Bose Nose Show at 646-721-9887, and just press 1 that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887, and just press 1. So, Ben, I, you know, you, you, you hit smart meters because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you about because that's kind of also a hot topic in electric utilities. Um, probably, you know, one of the things in, that's this is more particular just to EPUD, um, there's been some concern about um, uh, compensation for board members and board member travel and stipends and all that in the past at EPUD. Does that kind of died down? I mean, that, that seemed to be a big issue maybe about five years ago, but I haven't heard much about it since. Well, there is compensation. I wouldn't say that it's much to write home about. You know, for the <laughs> amount of time that a board member, a board member spends on just keeping up to, up to speed with, uh, you know, the utility industry and everything that's going on there, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it can be a full time job. You know, it's uh, you know there's a, a lot of late nights and early mornings where I'm I'm at the computer just trying to keep up to speed with all of the uh, the information that EPUD uh, staff are sending our way. Just uh, um, article clips from Seattle and California and. Uh, Portland, just uh, on issues related to energy, related to dams, uh, to, you know, forestry and, and all of the like. You know, there, there's so many pieces of the puzzle that, um, that can have, you know, influence on energy prices. Um, so it's, 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 again, it's a lot of work. And uh, I didn't. I didn't take this job to to be a um, because I was looking for added compensation. In fact, uh, when I stepped into that uh, office with the general manager uh, a, a week after I had been nominated to the board, I sat down with with Scott and we were talking about things, and I. I, it was only then that I was uh, notified that there was some compensation associated with it. So I was simply looking for a way to serve my community. Um, now, you know, I think I might average maybe 1200 bucks a month, uh, but that takes into account board meetings, uh, one or two 
trips to Salem uh, each month or up to uh, Portland for PPC meetings. Um, uh, my mileage is covered. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not a lot, you know, it uh, really, it's, you know, pretty nominal. Um, there's nothing else to it. You know, there's, there's no healthcare benefits or anything like that. You know, it's, uh, we get, we get paid to, to go to a trade show. If I'm there for four hours or 12 hours, it's 200 bucks a day. So I don't know if, again, if that's anything to squabble about, and if customers are upset about that, I'll give up my position for them. Let them try it for six months and uh, see see for you know for themselves that it's a it's a big commitment. And I think any public service job is a big commitment because once you step into it, you realize, shoot, and I can think got a lot of people that depend on me here. And this is actually the yeah. first public job that I've ever had. And so I, I have really felt as though, uh, you know, if I'm going to represent this customer base, uh, you know, in my area, um, I, I need to be an informed citizen. I need to, uh, to know the issues that surround the decisions that, that I am tasked with making for EPUD. Yeah. So, you know, there were issues. I don't know what those issues really were, but, uh, you know, I think uh, positions like this can can be taken advantage of. And that's unfortunate, uh, terribly unfortunate, because that's where you're talking about taxpayer money um, and or, you know, monies that somebody's paying for their utility bill. And when you get down to the basics here and you're talking about a customer that has to make a decision between putting food on the table or, or keeping the house warm with electricity, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, a tough place to be. So it, you, you better damn well take your job seriously if you're going to represent people, uh, you know, like that. And, and I've, I have no reason to not, if in fact, if I, if I didn't feel as though I could do the job, I definitely would not be talking to you on the phone today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I imagine if you took your, you know, whatever you get in compensation and divided it by the actual hours you put into being a, a, a commissioner, um, you're, 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 you may not be making minimum wage according to Oregon anymore. No. It's, it's, yeah. Far from it. You know, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, several other entry-level jobs, you know, across America that you could step into and make better money at. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a college-educated guy. I'm, I'm a successful business person. Uh, you know, I've, 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 I've started businesses and, and built them up to where they, you know, uh, employ other people. Uh, pay my taxes, and uh, and that that in and of itself takes a tremendous amount of responsibility uh, for one person. So you know, I, I I'm all for uh, you know business. I think businesses are critically important to our economy, locally, uh, regionally, nationally, and uh, and and so and electricity is 
is just about as important as as those businesses that that we depend on for employment and for products and services. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a great responsibility, and I I'm just uh, enthusiastic to be here talking with you guys and visiting with um, you know uh, neighbors in in Lane County and and discussing you know, a topic that uh, a lot of us don't really think about too often. Some of us do, but, uh, you know, if the light switch goes on and the lights go on, uh, uh, we're happy as a clam. Uh, the minute they don't go on, suddenly we we wonder what, what, what the heck went wrong and who's responsible. So, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, I, I have to tell a secret on myself for you, because you may not be aware, but I used to work for Eugene Water and Electric Board on the water side of the utility, but I worked across okay. into the engine, because I was in engineering, I also did work with the electric side quite often, and uh, we always referred to ourselves as the silent utility, that, that as long as people put the switch or turned on the tap and something happened, no one cared about it. <laughs> Yeah, but but they flip that switch or turn that tap, and something didn't happen. That then suddenly they 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 knew who we were. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, uh, I have a uh, if you if you if I have the time, I I had an opportunity this summer, um, and this is this uh, job I'm, I I still. Um, you know, have on my on my plate, but um, I got called up to uh, Corvallis to look at a fraternity house that I was a, a member of at a California university um, later, earlier in life, and I went up there to look at the you know at a number of problems that this fraternity house had um, relevant to mold, dry rot, asbestos issues. And um, none of it uh, talked at all about energy issues. But when I walked into the place, having now, uh, you know, as a director for EPUD, my, my antenna, antennas were straight up. And I was looking at, you know, at this, at this building in a whole new light. And it was great um, because... As of today, we have a relationship with Energy Trust of Oregon. Energy Trust of Oregon has looked at um, the house together with me and uh, have signed us up for a software called WeGoWise. And WeGoWise is uh, a benchmarking software that both myself and the guys living in the fraternity house now have at um, – on their computer screen, they're able to look at all of the improvements that have been made and will continue to be made to tighten up the envelope of this house. They were spending $28,000 annually on electricity and water and natural gas combined. And I wow. believe that after the utility, after the improvements we were able to make to that uh, fraternity house, we may very well be able to cut that energy consumption in half. So it's, uh, and, and when I walk into the house, I go up there at least once a week now uh, just to check in with the guys and, uh, and you know, uh, do a few things. 
but uh, I walk into a dark house. I think, guys, you know, why aren't the lights on in here? Well, Bent, you know, we're trying to save energy. I don't think, well, <laughs> son of a gun, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, to see uh, these young guys, you know, all of a sudden uh, thinking about those types of things. So this next summer, I'm actually thinking of uh, through much of the renovation work we'll be doing there over the next 12 months about uh, installing EV charging stations at the fraternity house so that uh, the future of that fraternity house is prepared for students that are going to be uh, driving to school in electric vehicles. And uh, this particular fraternity will be, will be ready for those, uh, for those types of students um, and and they they seem very excited about that as well. Hmm. So it's uh, so I, I I feel like uh, you know it's uh, I think one of the things that got them so engaged was just that you know I, I we couldn't find a general contractor to do the work and 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 as a uh, alumni and um, and housing corp uh, member there. I told the house, I said, I can't justify allowing you guys to live in this house next fall with all of these problems. They either have to get fixed before school starts or you guys are going to have to find someplace else to live until these problems do get fixed. And uh, and they said, well, Ben, you know, can we help you um, fix these problems? I said, well, I said, it's going to take a lot of work, but I think we can do it. And... Uh, I got contribution, product contributions from the concrete industry, and we've done just a, a remarkable job at transforming that that place. And the kids have taken ownership in it. They have a pride in that place, and uh, they're just ecstatic about the direction that things are going. But uh, I just saw this this change in their demeanor over the summer that was just really beautiful. And I think that this thing of energy conservation can be a, a really marvelous thing uh, for our community. In fact, it's one of the, uh, the goals I have. If I'm elected to, uh, to serve on the, on the board, I'd like to make sub-district two, Elmira, Venita, Notai, Alvador, and those uh, areas you know, in between, I'd like to see sub-district two become one of the most energy efficient uh, districts of the five districts that uh, EPUD services. In fact, if we can go a step further, maybe we can prove to be uh, kind of a, a landmark, you know, in Lane County that is, you know, is showing that, you know, these neighborhoods are making the changes at home to turn their homes into really energy efficient environments because that's that's really where things are heading you know portland homeowners they've got to get an energy audit before they sell their house there has to be an energy score on that house before they can put it up for sale the the potential buyer has to know what he's going to be spending or she's going to be spending on utilities in addition to monthly mortgage so for to me, it's a smart thing. You know, technology has a, has some valuable assets assigned to it that uh, that I think we just have to kind of learn to embrace as as we um, kind of move forward here. And and I'm I'm enthusiastic to share what I know, 
and uh, and to help our customer base to the very best of my ability and i'm and I'm there to protect them as well. I want to make sure that um, uh, they get the very best care and service from their utility company. Well, that sounds great, Ben. Is there any last things about um, why why people should support you for this uh, EPUG commissioner position before before we let you go here? Well, you know, I, it would, it would uh, probably be my extraordinarily good looks, but that's beside the point. I'm just kidding, you guys. But uh, no, I I just think that uh, uh, I I'm you know I I have uh, I've invested a lot in in getting to know this this industry and uh, and I know that there's a lot more of me to invest and to keep up to speed on. I think that you know to say that you have been a a director for a utility company. Uh, in the past is is nice, but it's not necessarily the kind of, um, of of experience that that somebody needs today because the industry is so uh, technology oriented and new technologies are are are, are car- constantly at the forefront. I, I deal with that as a magazine publisher. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, print started to die off. I didn't like it. You know, I thought, well, print is important. And I think to this day, many people still would agree that print is important. And it's a preferred way of gathering information, at least trusted information, uh, you know, uh, for any industry that you might be involved in. But in publishing, you know, we've we've had to deal with a lot of technological changes too, and uh, and staying up with that and not being one of those magazines that has uh, has succumbed to that type of technological pressure, uh, you know, we we are a strong magazine to this day. So, in print and online, uh, we're one of the most you know well recognized publications worldwide. Uh, and that, that's that's a big statement, but that's the truth. You know, it's uh, but uh, and I think that that type of uh, embrace uh, towards technology is something that I can bring to uh, to EPUD as a director, uh, and and I'm comfortable in that space. Well, great, Ben. Uh, thank you for calling in today and spending some time with us. This, this is one of the reasons why I do the Bose Nose Show, so that folks can hear from uh, you know local people and about local issues, and nothing gets more local than your power company, and right down to the sub-district of EPUD that you will represent. So I appreciate your service representing us on the EPUD board now, and uh, good luck in your run for, uh, as I guess it is re-election, isn't it? it, it, it you currently are the yeah, well, uh, incumbent. Yeah, that I am, and uh, and it is my first election. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, and, uh, you know, I'm anxious to, to get to that, uh, that election day and past it. But, uh, um this process has been good for me, and it's 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 getting me out and talking to people, and that I that I've thoroughly enjoyed. So thank you for your time today, guys.
All right. Thank you, Ben. Have a great evening. Mm. You too. Thanks. So that was Bent Mickelson, who is running for EPUD Board of Directors out here in the Benita area, I guess Subdistrict 2, and uh, had some interesting um, thoughts on, on the future of electricity there and how important uh, conservation is going to be. Uh, we'll be switching gears on the Bose Nose Show. We're going to get back to what were they thinking in a minute here and also might talk a little PERS. But I like talking about what you want to talk about. So if there's something that, you know, Mr. Mickelson said that spurred a thought in your mind, or if there's something else on your mind you want to talk about, give us a call at the Bose Nose Show, 646-721-9887. And just press 1, and you can get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press 1. So... I started out with what were they thinking. I'm going to get back to what were they thinking because I, I barely seem to scratch the surface with BLM and, you know, burning too late at night, causing wrecks on 126 and requiring the highway to be shut down. And, you know, when the calls actually came in and the lane fire authority got out there at three o'clock in the morning, there were still fires smoldering out in those wetlands. They did not get the fires extinguished before they left there that night. Just to give you an idea, just you know, what were they thinking? Not to mention, it's still wild. It's still fire season. You know, how could you walk away from something that was still smoldering and burning like that? Which gets me to my other, what were they thinking? And I kind of previewed this online on Facebook. I, you know, it's not just the BLM. It's the U.S. Forest Service. So we heard a couple of weeks back that the U.S. Forest Service was converting their firefighting down on some of the big fires in Oregon from, you know, attacking and trying to put them out to uh, what they call cleanup phase or something like that, where they're going to start trying to pull some of the roads out and restore, restore the environment because they felt they had gotten past, you know, the need to try and contain these fires. Well, sure enough, no sooner they pull all those firefighting crews off and they've just got restoration crews on the ground, that the Klondike fire explodes, breaks containment line, and now we're having to evacuate people from their homes because I don't know what the U.S. Forest Service was thinking. We didn't get hardly any moisture, and then we had a prediction of 10 straight days of dry weather coming after that moisture. But they pulled those crews off there, and next thing you know, we've got the Klondike fire, you know, chasing people out of their homes, smoke intrusion in Coos Bay area of, of the coast, and uh, we're back, you know, <laughs> back where we were. And I just, you know, what was the Forest Service thinking? You know, they, they've been a, a – a consistent topic on the what were they thinking segment sometimes. I mean, you know, we, we talked about how they allowed last year's, um, uh, you know, Chetco bar fire explode from a, a, a less than five acre lightning strike, which was allowed to smolder for weeks and turned into one of the worst fires Oregon's ever seen. Uh, and now they've taken this Klondike fire and walked away from it while it was still burning and then let it re flare up and break containment lines. Um, so, you know, what was the U.S. Forest Service thinking? You know, so there, there, there's a couple 
fire related what were they thinking and it, and it's a good reminder it is still fire season outdoor burning is banned in Lane County you cannot do any sort of burning of yard debris in Lane County legally and they postponed the burning season to at least October 27th at this point and that's provided we get some rain between now and then it is you know even though it doesn't seem quite like fire season, it's not 90 degrees out. The last stretch of weather we've had with it getting up in the 70s during the day, but dew points down in the 30s, we're seeing afternoon humidities in the teens. So all of that, that fuel that was so dry this summer has dried right back out. And we're in um, moderate to high fire danger in most of our forest again. And uh, with these east winds blowing at certain times of day in certain areas of the state, it is really hazardous. And that's basically that recipe for disaster that we ran into down there when the Klondike fire broke containment, was those gusty east winds and that very low humidity uh, just combined to allow that fire to flare up and break containment. So be very careful out there. You know, it's hunting season now as you guys are out in the woods. You know, folks are going out looking for mushrooms and all that. Just be really careful. Um, don't want to be the person that ends up causing somebody to lose a home or to burn, unnecessarily burn a, a forest. So uh, careful with fire. I have one more what were they thinking. And this one's a little bit no, not fire involved. But it's just one of those things where something I came upon. So as I'm driving to a meeting uh, in Veneta, uh, actually it was a meeting in Florence Monday and left my house. I'm driving down Territorial Highway from my house and I go through a school zone, you know, right before I leave Elmira and just past the school zone, there's, you know, basically a birthday party of, of police and fire lights, you know, all on a parking lot at this little place called the Hilltop Market there. And I'm like, what the heck is going on there? You know, did they get robbed again or something? So later on in the day when I had a chance to try and find out and kind of ask through Facebook and a few other places, I was able to piece together the story of what happened in the morning. Now, mind you, this was 8 a.m. in the morning. What turns out that happened was some guy and his buddy got in a Jeep somewhere back in Veneta, and um, apparently the guy driving didn't know how to drive a stick shift, but the guy that actually owned the Jeep was in the passenger side and was coaching him on how, how to drive the stick shift, but he was all over the road and weaving and stuff like that, and there were witnesses, you know, that saw him doing that, and apparently he got down into Elmira and almost into the school zone when he decided he was going to pull into the hilltop market. I guess that was the reason they ran, were out running around. And in making that left turn, completely missed the turn and ran into a power pole, an EPUD pole, <laughs> speaking of EPUD, and, uh, and then backed off the pole and then pulled into the market. And that's when um, police and fire were called because somebody witnessed the accident and called 911. And when they showed up, turns out, Lo and behold, they were drunk or high on something. But so we got a Dewey in a school zone at eight in the morning. Now, mind you, who is 
partying at eight in the morning. And, and all I can think of in my mind is, you know, the guy driving didn't know how to drive a stick, which was part of the reason why he was all over the place. And the owner of the vehicle was in the other seat. His, I could just imagine the conversation before they left their, their place in Benito, wherever they, they left from over there. That's at least the first place eyewitnesses saw them weaving in and out of uh, the, the lanes crossing the, the center line and stuff. Um, it was, you know, hey, man, I'm just too stoned to, to drive. Why don't you drive? I can't drive a stick. Oh, I'll tell you how to drive a stick. Look, you, you drive. I'll, I'll do the shifter. You just have to press the pedals. <laughs> and I can just see these two idiots rolling down the road. Oh, thank, you know, it's just thankful they didn't kill a kid. But, you know, what were they thinking? A Dewey, 8 in the morning, through school zones, hitting a power pole. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, it looked like a birthday party there. With, you know, there were at least three state police cars, a county car, and lane fire authority uh, trucks in this parking lot. Um, yeah. What were those guys thinking? But I, 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 I was just it, yeah, going through that conversation in my mind of that, that, that the, two, the two dudes, you know, all, all – all, you know, medically uh, uh, challenged uh, uh, or uh, uh, inebriated somehow or another. I don't know what exactly they were on, but man, just what was the decision making to, you know, oh, it's, uh, you don't know how to drive clutch car. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how. <laughs> I'll be in the passenger seat. We'll be good. Just got to go get some more beer. You know, that, uh, that reminds me of Cheech and Chong. Yeah, that that was what came to my mind when I heard, you know, started piecing together this story. Holy mackerel! I thought things like that went away with, with in the '80s sometime. You know? Hey, man, how's my driving? I think we're parked, man. <laughs> yeah, that was about it. Yeah, what were they thinking? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So that. Rather rather long, what were they thinking segment this week, but man, there was just too much to pick on this week. I still can't believe BLM and starting that fire after four o'clock in the evening when they had a permit that said have them out by four o'clock, not start them by four o'clock. Uh, yes, and causing all those wrecks on Highway 126. Wanted to mention, though, before we run out of time on the Bo's No Show, the Secretary of State came out with an audit, you know, the audit division of Secretary of State that audits various state programs. Well, they audited the PERS program, but not auditing the finances of PERS, but they did a performance audit on the IT, you know, the information technology side of PERS. And boy, were they scathing in their report. Basically, PERS has been unable to modernize their information technology to where they are not prepared for any sort of uh, major interruption in their service. Now, mind you, PERS is responsible for writing $400 million worth of checks to retirees a month. So you can imagine if there's some major disruption in the electrical grid or the communications or whatever else that causes you know, something to go down for PERS. Their system backup 
to writing those checks completely, it, it, it will fail. So yeah, on, top, on top of, you know, whatever disaster that might cause that, suddenly we're going to lose $400 million a month out of the, out of, you know, most of those retirees live in Oregon out of, you know, out of the economy because they, they won't have the ability to, to issue checks. Yeah, but Jay, they got the best Commodore 64s the money can buy. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. So just one more occasion of our state government, you know, being, you know, handling information technology so well. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. What's that? What was that? That that jingle that uh, the Oregon uh, health plan used to use for. Uh... Oh, that, that was uh, Oracle. Yeah, yeah, but they had that little jingle, you know, when you're going to be able to sign up for the plan, where they they're doing all those promotions, spent all that money on the advertising, and they couldn't get the software to work. <laughs> oh gosh, I wish we have to find that. We'll have to use that sometime whenever we're talking about this. But yeah, so I just wanted to let people know that you know the state of Oregon once again is handling information technology well. And I, I know that just plays right to you, uh, being that you're an IT person. <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit that right now, but at least I don't work for the government. <laughs> yeah, no, you do a better. Yeah, I'm sure you do a better job in protecting <laughs> your your your, uh, your work uh, against some of these things. But um, yeah, and you know there are a couple other things. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get to talk about the future Bose Nose show because it's just coming out in the news now, but. Eugene's decided to take the old city hall lot, uh, which they still own, you know, which is just a, a bare gravel, and they're going to put a great big old tent there for homeless people. So we'll be, uh, look, be looking for that coming in the next couple of weeks. Okay, they should at least put parking meters in. <laughs> yeah, so just, just you know, that, that decision, I think, came from the city council at lunchtime today, so I haven't had a chance quite to digest it. I will say one thing. It's partly in response to that protest that's on county property right now. And because of the Ninth Circuit Court's decision about um, not being able to um, punish people for camping illegally on public property unless there's a shelter for them to go to, this tent will operate as that place for those folks to go to. So it will allow the city to deal with those campers in a way that doesn't violate their civil rights as defined under the Ninth Circuit Court's decision around um, homeless, you know, criminalizing uh, camping for homeless people uh, and being cruel and unusual punishment, you know, basically a Fourth Amendment argument. So does that mean that laudering and... Uh... Uh, criminal trespass and all the other fun stuff doesn't uh, apply anymore. Uh, if, if you know, that's one of the reasons why it's get you know you're suddenly seeing all this camping on sidewalks in cities in the Northwest that are covered by the Ninth Circuit. There's a decision about um, Boise was was um, arresting folks for illegal camping in downtown. And it was determined um, that was considered cruel and unusual punishment because there was no alternative for those folks. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know it's an okay one, but you know it, it's the current state of the law until, until somebody decides to appeal it up to the, the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court will hear it. So as far as we're concerned, we're in the Ninth Circuit's jurisdiction. We have to follow that that guidance. It's one of the reasons why we haven't moved that camp from the butterfly lot in downtown Eugene is because of that Ninth Circuit Court decision, which is only, uh, it's not that old of a decision. I think it was issued a couple months back. Um, Working for Portland. Yeah, yeah. So we're about done with the Bo's Nose show here. On, you know, and I want to thank people for listening. Next week, I am going to be in jolly old England, eating some fish and chips at a 300-year-old pub, I hope, uh, or something like that when the Bo's Nose show's on and, and drinking some good English beer. Um, so uh, I appreciate everybody listening. We'll probably be doing a replay of a previous episode next week. Um, unless I get a chance to record an interview between now and then. Thank you for listening to the Bose Nose Show. And uh, we'll be back live in a couple weeks, uh, probably right after the election. So that should be an interesting show. So thank you for listening to the Bose Nose Show. Coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week and have a great couple weeks if I don't talk to you before then. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.